Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, if you would. We're going to dive right into the Word this morning. I'm going to read 10 verses from the English Standard Version. Um, I'm going to come back to this at the conclusion of the sermon today, but I want to try, to try to cover a little ground. Don't feel like you've got to turn to every scripture I do. You can read along on the screen with us. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right, there we go. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was so small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of the man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he, is, he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Everyone in life has different values. We all value different things. We all determine whether or not something is worth it. When, when I was young and newly married and, and just getting into ministry, and uh, Lindsay and I didn't make a lot of money. And, uh, of course, not a lot, most of our friends didn't make a lot of money either, and so every penny mattered. Pastor Damon and Christine, who are now in Washington, D.C., and getting ready to launch their new campus here in just a few weeks, please be in prayer for them. They may be watching online right now. They'll remember this. Uh, they really, really, and, and by really, I mean really, love Carabas. How many of you like Carabas? So they didn't have any money any more than I did, but they would, like, eat nothing all week so that on Friday night... They could go to Carabas. Because to them, it was worth the sacrifice to eat Carabas. Now, I don't like Carabas. I'd be happy to never eat there again in my life. So for me, it wasn't worth anything. I would rather go to McDonald's than, than Carabas. But for them, that's true. But for them, it was worth it. They would sacrifice to pay to go to Carabas. My wife values sometimes different things that I do. And when she knows that she's trying to convince me to buy something that she values and she knows that I don't think is worth it, uh, I've caught on to her tricks. Um, she uses terms and she says, I really think we should invest in this, Randon. She's trying to convince me uh, that she needed this real purse that the fake one would not do and she needed the real Badgley Mishka. And she said, yeah, I said that. Um, can't spell it, but I said it. Um, she said, she said, Randon, if you will just invest in this purse, it'll last me forever. And I'll go through 10 cheap purses in the time that you can invest in this one good purse. So she tries to convince me to buy things that I don't think are worth it. 
The Walmart one looks just as good. I don't understand. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I have the own, my own stuff that I value. Um, when I, when I, we, we were looking at getting my daughter a pair of shoes for um, her birthday. Her birthday's coming up here in a couple of weeks. And she really wants a pair of Nike Free Run 5.0s. And uh, I get it. I like them too. But she wants the custom pair. You know, you go to Nike.com and you can customize them, get your own colors. And so she wants to get them uh, a little bit of Sun Devil colors, her softball team, and a little bit of LSU Tigers team. Well, I just determined right there, that ain't worth it. Um, <laughs> and so my wife is doing this, and, but, but I do value shoes. And I'm like, you know, Kennedy wears these shoes every single day. She wears them to school. She wears them to speed school. She wears them to hitting lessons. She wears them to play in. She wears them every day. I mean, let's invest in a good pair of shoes. <laughs> See how I turned that around on my wife? <laughs> Didn't work. Um, she's getting the cheap ones. So, but here's the deal: everybody values something. Everybody values something. Uh, whether you have a lot of money or a little money, you value something. Some people put their money in a house. Some people put their money in cars. Some people put their money in clothes. Some people put their money in vacations. I've got a, a, some friends that go to Disney World seriously, like four times a year. I'm thinking to myself, what do you do for a living? <laughs> they don't make tons of money, but they've set up their lives because that is what they value. To them, it's worth it. I want to begin a new series today, and it'll take me a few weeks uh, to get through it. But, but I want the, this, the series title is just simply worth it. And I want to evaluate some things and some people are, uh, in our lives and ask ourselves this question is it worth it? And are they worth it? Are you worth it? Worth it. In this story that I read to you, and Jesus is walking and he's headed to Jerusalem for the very last time. He's about to be sacrificed. He's about to hang on the cross, uh, betrayed. All those events are about to happen. And, and as he is heading towards Jerusalem, he makes a little bit of a detour. And he decides to go through Jericho. Jericho was not really on his way, but he made a specific trip to Jericho. As he's walking into the city, blind Bartimaeus see, uh, hears that he's coming and he screams out. and He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turns and heals the blind man, opens his eyes. Uh, but, but that wasn't even the reason that Jesus came to Jericho. Jesus came to Jericho for one specific reason. As he's walking into the town, there's a little short guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And the Bible says he was very rich. The, the, the thing about that is um, tax collectors would charge you taxes and they got paid off of the taxes they charged you. And then anything extra they could charge you, they got paid off of that as well. So the more money they collected from you, the more money they got. So if you found, if you were going to pay taxes, you wanted to pay taxes to a poor tax collector. Because it meant that he was going to handle your business right. But if you found a rich tax collector, it meant that he had cheated a lot of people. Zacchaeus was that kind of guy. How many of you sang the Zacchaeus song when you were a kid? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Come on, I know you sing that. 
And when the Savior passed him by, he looked up in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. For I'm coming to your house today. I'm <laughs> sorry, forgot the words. Zacchaeus is this short little guy, so he climbs up in this tree and he, he looks out and, and he needs to get a look at Jesus. He had no idea that Jesus came to Jericho for him. He didn't come because he liked Jericho. He didn't pass through because he wanted to stop at his favorite restaurant. He came for one specific purpose. I want to pray this morning as we ask this question, are they worth it? And then we're going to go straight to our video. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. Thank you for the word that you've placed in my spirit that you've challenged me with. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me today. For those gathered here and those watching online would hear the cry of your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked with the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. As a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. We're intrigued as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go, here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist, not too hot, not too cold, perfect for you. Yeah, but anyway, man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know, like we were supposed to be sharing our faith in like coffee shop. Woo! Woo! Shut out in a coffee shop, baby! You next! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall, that's Old Testament! Old Testament, you know this! Thanks for the coffee, Darren. Hey, you're welcome, have a nice day. Yo mama raised you better than this boy, don't let me blow you up no more. You see, I think it's fitting, because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect it, around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, 
I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! Ouch. Are you ready for game day? I don't believe we have an evangelism linebacker walking around here today. But I want to talk to you about three things today. Number one is this. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus came to the earth and he went to Jericho with one purpose. He wanted to do a lot of things, but he had a purpose. And we find it in verse 10 where Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came with for a reason. He came for a purpose, and that was to see people receive salvation. He came to seek and to save the lost. In this story, the lost was Zacchaeus. But no one wanted Jesus to visit this wretched man. He was a thief. He was a sinner. He was a, a, a liar. He, he, he extorted the people. No one, he, no one wanted Jesus to spend their time with him. And the Bible says in verse 7 that they grumbled because Jesus said, I'm going to your house. He was a tax collector. He wasn't worth Jesus' time and their opinion. There were other people that Jesus should be helping he doesn't need to doesn't even mess with the, this sinner. Just let him do his own thing. He's always stealing from the people of God. Come, come, let's let's have let's go talk with the with the church people, Jesus. Uh, come, come spend some more time with us, the disciples, and, and let's go lay hands on the sick and see some more people healed and, and let's preach the gospel of the kingdom. And come on and let's go talk about what it's gonna be like when you set up this political kingdom and you rule and reign as king and, and where what, what my role is gonna be the kingdom and am I gonna be the vice president or the or the treasurer or the secretary or the general? What am I gonna be in your kingdom? him Jesus let's talk about all these things let's let's not waste our time with this sinner you see there is a trap for good Christians faithful men and women of God leaders volunteers followers people that really love Jesus and the trap is thinking that God's primary objective is to make my life better to bless me to give me favor to heal me to give me goosebumps during a worship service and to make everything like I like it that is not God's primary purpose all these are promises, and they are benefits, and they are good, and I want you to enjoy them, and God wants you to have them, but they are benefits. He says in Psalm 68 that they are, He loads us daily with His benefits. In Psalm 103, He says, forget not all His benefits. In one, Psalm 116, He says, what shall I render to Him for all His benefits? You see, there are benefits, and then there's God's purpose. Think about when you sat down and someone was making you a job offer or maybe you were making a job offer to someone and they slid a piece of paper across to you and on it, it had a list of the benefits of working for that company. Maybe you got health care. Maybe you got paid vacation time. Maybe you got paid holidays. Maybe you got paid sick days. Maybe you got retirement. Maybe you got um, a company vehicle whatever your benefits may be, 
all those are really, really good. And they make it wonderful to work for a company if they have good benefits. One of our pastors in Nederland uh, works for Edward, Edward Jones. And one of the benefits of working for Edward Jones is they just sent him and his wife to Hawaii for a week. Now that's benefits right there. They're good. They make it a wonderful place to work. But as you and I both know, what you're really looking on, at on that piece of paper is how much money are they going to pay me? Like all the benefits are good, but what I need to know is how much is the salary? How much am I making an hour? How many hours am I working? I need to know how much money is coming home in my check every week. Because you can have all the benefits in the world and no money coming in, and you cannot put food on the table for your family. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay your car note. You can't buy clothes for your kids to wear to school because the money is the most important piece. Tell me this, would you rather have a job with great benefits and no pay or great pay and no benefits? These blessings, these wonderful things about God, they are benefits and he gives them freely to us. He wants you to have them. He, he, he died on the cross so that he could release them to you. He wants you to have his benefits, but they were not Jesus' purpose. His primary purpose the necessity for him to leave heaven and come to this earth. He could have given favor from heaven. If you study the Old Testament, they had good church all the time. The Holy Spirit moves throughout the Old Testament. They saw miracles all the time. But he had to leave heaven for one specific purpose. It was the necessity of reaching the lost and bringing them salvation. I'm so glad that Jesus, when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn, giving us access to his presence. I'm so glad for his favor, for his blessings, for his presence, for his goodness, for his love, for his mercy, for his peace, for his kindness, for his joy, for his understanding, for miraculous power. I'm glad for the healing. I'm glad for the gifts. I'm glad for all of it. But the Bible says their benefits, his real purpose was to seek and to save the lost. Are you caught up into your purpose are you, and is your purpose caught up in his benefits or are you caught up in his, his purpose? Jesus went to Jericho to find Zacchaeus because salvation was coming to his house. Jesus was coming for the man that no one thought deserved his time. But Jesus went because for Jesus, Zacchaeus was worth the effort. He was worth walking the extra miles. He was worth the extra energy. He was worth people grumbling and complaining about him. It was worth it all that he might save Zacchaeus. Second point is this. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, gives us a challenge. Paul gives us a challenge. Verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, from all I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. 
To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. To the Jews, I didn't have to live according to Jewish law anymore because Christ has saved me and set me free from the law. But I, when I went to minister to Jews, I did things according to their customs so that I could connect with them. So I, I ate their food and I, uh, I did things and I went to their feasts and I prayed like they prayed because I wanted to have a way of connecting with them that I might win them and preach the gospel of Jesus to them and save them. That together we could share in the blessings of the gospel or salvation. He said, then I went to those outside of the law. I went to the Gentiles. I went to the Corinthians. I went to the Ephesians. I went to those in Thessalonica. And I went to them and I got involved in their culture and their way of life. Now here's what he says. I didn't go sinning because I'm not under the law, uh, their laws, but I'm also, but I am under the law of Christ. So I, I didn't do anything that caused me to sin, but I got involved in their customs, in their ways, in their cultures, so that I could break down the barriers keeping them from the cross, that I might be a bridge to get them to the cross. Because for Paul, his challenge was he was going from city to city to city and preaching the gospel. And he was de reaching different people groups, different cultures, different personalities, different values, different, um, different ideologies. And so he said, I, I do what I need to do to connect with them where they are, that I might, from where they are, connect them to Jesus. This is a challenge to every believer and every church in 2014. What are you doing to connect with people in the world today? Not so that you might become sinners, but that you might win some to share in the blessings of the gospel with them. We have to be relevant, relevant uh, to current culture. We have to... Uh, be a church that breaks down walls to, that push people away, break down walls that become barriers, and, and yet we have to build bridges so that people can come to know triumph. We've always done this at, at this church for 30 years. We've always been doing things to reach current culture. Today is no different. As you look around this sanctuary, there's moving lights and a big cross and a decorated background. And, and uh, it, it doesn't look like it used to look. When I was growing up, church was always uh, high church, cathedral-looking columns and beautiful decor and Jesus in, in gold and silver on the back wall. And, but, but church has changed. Things have changed. Why? Because culture has changed. When I was growing up, you would never see my father on a Sunday morning not in a full suit and tie, the best he could afford. Always. That's the way I went to church. And everybody around, the hats and the whole deal. 
my wife is very, very sad that she can't wear hats as much as she used to because she wants to wear a hat all the time. The bigger, the better. Like, needs two pews to, 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 to sit down. But, you know, we've made some changes, and the lights look different, and they're different colors, and the music sounds different, and we don't sing all the old songs we used to sing as much, and, and the pastor doesn't wear a suit and a tie. Uh, he, he wears jeans and, he, and a coat or this or that, and, and, the, and the people look different. Why? Because there was no salvation in a suit, and there was no salvation uh, in, in certain decor. Uh, what are we trying to do? We're trying to connect people to Jesus. And if by making a few adjustments, we can break down uh, barriers and build bridges that we might connect with a current culture, then you know what? I don't need to wear a suit. Why don't we sing the old songs, Pastor Randy? Because I'm trying to reach a current culture. I, I just am. So we try to mix some in and Every now and then you'll see me wear a suit. If you want to wear a suit, be my guest. I feel free. Uh, and you'll see me wear them every now and then. And we do things a little differently. Uh, but the reason why is because Paul issued us a challenge. Connect with the culture you're trying to reach. Not, not so that you can become of the world. But Jesus said, I've sent them into the world. So we can try to pull people out that we can share with them in the gospel and the blessings of salvation and the goodness of God. That's what Paul challenged us to. It's not all about me. It's not all about what I like or what I want. It's not all about my personal preferences. Uh, my wife and I have different preferences. If, if church was all about what I wanted, she'd be mad at me. She'd be elbowing me on the front row. And if church was always the way she wanted it, I'd be upset with her. But we try to have diversity and we work hard to reach multiple groups of people because we want to reach people for the gospel. Paul said, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Will you accept the challenge? Finally, our third point is this. You face a reality. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, and then verse 13, 14, and 15. Paul said, brothers and sisters... Or brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. This is my heart's desire. This is my heart's desire that they may be saved. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Here, here's what Paul said. My heart's desire is that people are saved. But backing up from there, how are they going to be saved unless they believe? How are they going to believe unless they hear? How are they going to hear unless someone preaches? How are they going to preach unless someone sends them? Then he said this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are your feet if you've been preaching the good news? So, Pastor Renan, I just need my family to be saved. How can they be saved unless they believe? How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless you tell them? How can they believe unless you invite them to church? 
How can they believe unless you share with them your faith? How can they believe unless you? Paul didn't say, wait on the pastors to come to your house and preach. He didn't say, you know, call an elder and have them come share the gospel. That's, that's nowhere in the New Testament. But the challenge was to go and preach, to go and share their faith. I read some statistics this week that were scary to me. Here's what they were. 95% of Christians have never won a single person to Christ. 80% of Christians never share their faith. And this one, this one convicted me as much as any. 63% of church leadership have not led one person to the Lord in the past two years. Are you doing your job? As I read this and as I studied, I had to ask the Lord, God, am I, have I been doing my job? Have I been doing what you called me to do? Have I been living according to your purpose? Why don't we? Why don't we? Is it fear of rejection? Fear that they're going to say no and not like us anymore? Well, you have to understand, Jesus was rejected, the disciples rejected, Paul was rejected. They were all rejected, and yet they kept preaching because they understood the value of preaching the gospel. They understood that even if they were rejected, if one person got saved, that one person was worth all the rejection. Is it because you don't know what to say? You've heard me tell before how, how one, talking to people one-on-one makes me really, really nervous and I, and, and I struggle with things to say and I start repeating myself a lot and, because I get really nervous. So I don't, I don't know what to say. This is a fear for me and the Lord is helping me with it. I'm overcoming it. Is that a, is that a problem? Well, let me tell you. First of all, Jesus said this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall be my witnesses. And, and, and the, the word witness, think about what witness means. If you were called to court to be a witness, they're not asking you to speculate on things that you don't know. All they're asking you to do is speak to what you've seen and what you do know. So here's the idea of being a witness. You don't have to know every scripture in this Bible. You don't have to be able to eloquently lay out all the major doctrines of the church today. All you've got to be able to do is tell what Jesus did for you and share that with someone. That's it. It's, it's, that's all it takes. Be a witness, not to what you don't know. Just be a witness to what you do know. It's totally okay to say to somebody, I don't know, but I know somebody that does. That's totally okay. Let me tell you another thing. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, when you're going and, and you're facing challenges and you don't know what to say, um, and he, said, he said, in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. In that very hour, Luke chapter 12, verse 12, go read it. He said, when you don't know what to say, in the very hour. The good news of that is he'll give you something to say. The bad news is it may be the very last second when he does. Is it because you don't want to shove Jesus down people's throats? Is it because other Christians in your past or around you have, have just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed Jesus. So you just say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I get that. But there is a difference between shoving Jesus down someone's throat and never talking at all. There's a big gap. 
Don't let these become excuses not to invite your friends, not to share Jesus with your neighbor. Let me ask you this question. Are the people in your life worth it? Would them being saved be worth it? Are they worth the potential embarrassment? Are they worth the possible rejection? Um, How did you first get to church? Chances are really good. It's because somewhere in your life, someone said you were worth it. And they invited you to know Jesus. Are the people in your life worth it? Did someone take a risk and determine that you were worth it? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 said, For the word of the cross, the message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The New Living Translation said, It's foolishness. Pastor Renan, they're going to laugh at me. Well, of course, because if you don't know Jesus, it seems foolish. Imagine with me the day you go to meet Jesus. You make it to heaven. The angels are singing the hallelujah chorus. Amen. Amen. And, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. You don't know where to look first because everywhere you look, it's just blowing your mind. And then you get into the throne room and there is Jesus. You think back to your time on earth and, and every time you had a really, really important day, you always wanted your friends and your family and your loved ones to be there with you to celebrate. On birthdays, on wedding days, on graduation days, on, on big days, you always wanted them there. And this is the biggest of the days. And you get to meet Jesus. You're going into heaven and you look around to celebrate and say, I made it. And you suddenly realize you're all alone. So you never invited your friends. You never talked to your family. You never shared your faith with the people that you love. And they didn't know Jesus. And so, on what should be the greatest day of your life, both as a human and as a spirit for eternity, being with God, you're, you're suddenly overwhelmed with grief as you realize they weren't worth it. In Luke 19, Jesus went to Zacchaeus because when no one else thought he was worth it, Jesus decided that this sinner was worth my time. He was worth my effort. He was worth people not liking what I'm doing. And as Jesus gets up from the table, in verse 10, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then in verse 11, he begins to head towards Jerusalem. And as he's leaving the house, his disciples and his followers are with him, and they're still just a bit frustrated because Jesus just did what he did. And Jesus shares with them a parable. He said there was a very rich man, a ruler, and he had to leave town on some business. So he called ten servants and gave them each one mina or one bit of money. And he said, I want you to do my business while you're gone. He came back and he talked to three of them. So imagine with me, if you will, uh, if a mina were each one of these $10. Pastor Brandon, Pastor Dino, uh, uh, Pastor Ronnie, jump up here with me really quickly. So he gets 10 servants and he gives them each one mina, or for the sake of this illustration today, $1. Now, I only had three because Jesus 
only uses three to illustrate his point. So here's what he says. I'm giving each of you a dollar or a mina, and I want you to go, and I want you to do my business while I'm gone. I want you to handle my business. I want you to do what I would be doing if I were here. He comes back a little while later. He goes to the first one. He said, what did you do with my dollar or my mina? And the guy says, I turned it into 10. And he said, he said, well done. I'm going to give you 10 cities. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to give you everything you've ever dreamed of. You were a measly servant. Now you're going to be a ruler in and of yourself. Here's blessing. He goes to the next guy, he said, what'd you do with my dollar? He said, I turned it into five. He said, really good, I'm going to give you five cities. I'm going to give you five places of authority, places of rule. I'm, I'm going to multiply because of your faithfulness. And he goes to the other, and he, and he said, what did you do with my dollar? And he said, well, I knew that you were a tough ruler. So I took really good care of it. I wrapped it up in a napkin. I watched over it every day because I didn't want you to come back and that dollar not be very well taken care of and be very presentable for you when you came back. I didn't want to lose it, so I held on to that dollar. And Jesus rebuked him. He said, you should have at least put it in the bank that it might, I, I might get a, an interest on my investment. A lot of principles in here, faithfulness and, and, and doing our jobs and putting things to work, but I want to put it in context with a story that just happened, the first 10 verses that I read to you. Jesus has just gone to Jericho to save a sinner, and he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is what Jesus came for. Now, Jesus in this story is the ruler who went away and will one day return again. And here's what Jesus said. I gave each of you individually the same measure of salvation. What will you do with it while I'm gone? And the first guy came back and said, I turned the salvation that you gave me into ten souls. And the second guy said, Jesus, I, I, I turned the salvation that you gave me into five of my family members. And the third guy said, I took really good care of your salvation. I went to church faithfully and I prayed and I served as a, as a greeter or an usher or in the nursery. But I didn't want to take too big of a risk because I was afraid that if you came back, I would get caught up in the ways of the world. Jesus rebuked him. The reality is this. Every single one of us Christian believers have a job to do. His salvation was given to you for a reason. He said, I want you to do something with it. He said, I have to leave and go away, but I'm coming again. But in the meantime, I need you to do what I was here to do. What were you here to do, Jesus? To seek and save the lost. So what am I supposed to do as a servant of Jesus? I'm supposed to take my salvation, what he's done for me, the goodness and the blessings of God, and I must seek and save the lost.
One more verse and we're going to close. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, reading from the New Living Translation. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking again. I, I don't know what awaits me. Except that the Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. And I declare today that I have been faithful. And if anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Have you shared your faith lately? Have you invited someone to church lately? Have you been a witness lately? I'm not talking about have you lived for God, have you been a good Christian, have you come to church, have you paid your tithes, have you served? Are the people in your life worth it? How can they be saved unless they believe? How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless you preach to them? How can they hear unless you say something? How can you hear they hear unless you talk to them? And how can you do that unless you're sent? Today I'm sending you. We must have a culture of witnessing and inviting people to know Jesus, inviting people to church. Have you invited someone to church in the last month, in the last six months, in the last year? How long has it been? I'm not talking about cleaning out other people's churches, people that are faithful members, but you just like your church better. I'm talking about somebody that needs Jesus, that needs more of Jesus, that needs to know, that needs to be discipled. Have you, have you invited them? How long has it been? And if Jesus were to return today, which one of these three servants would you be? Would you receive that blessing that Jesus gave to the first two? Or would he rebuke you? Stand with me if you will. I'm out of time this morning. As you leave today, ushers will have some cards that look like this. They're just simple invite cards to invite people to be with you at church. I have a couple for you this week. We'll have a lot more next week to, to, to give you, but uh, we couldn't quite get them printed in time, So, I, I, but I wanted to give you some today. You can get those on your way out, but I want to issue a challenge to you today. It's not just about... It's not just about living right. It's about reaching people. Are you living according to Jesus' purpose to seek and save the lost? Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me and those in this room that got, have gotten caught up being good Christians, loving you, living for you, 
serving you, but never doing the work that you left us to do. We haven't invited, we haven't reached out, we haven't shared our faith, we haven't been a witness. Father, forgive us. I'm releasing a newfound heart and desire and passion, the same one that you had, the same heart and passion that calls you to leave all the goodness that is heaven and come to this earth that you might seek and save the lost. You went after Zacchaeus, who no one else thought was worth your time, but to you, Jesus, he was worth it. Father, I'm declaring right now that we would begin to see people as worth it. Worth the potential rejection, worth the potential embarrassment, worth it all just that they might know Jesus. That we could share in the blessings of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for people. You said you, you, you the, the Bible says that you looked out on the people and you saw them as sheep without a shepherd. May we see people like you saw them. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, open doors of opportunity that we could share with others. That we would have a window. Give us courage, give us faith, give us boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.